0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Elections Daily interview. I am Joe Szymanski, and today I am with uh, a GOP candidate from Minnesota's 2nd Congressional District, Tyler Kistner. Tyler, thank you for coming on with me today.
1: No, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on, so truly a pleasure.
0: All right, so Tyler, first question, uh, what made you decide to run for Congress?
1: No, that, that's a great first question because that's one that everyone always wants to ask. And it's one that, you know, should always be kind of the telling point of what's really drawing you to do it. Mine was just what drew me to serve this nation nine years in the Marine Corps was putting service before self. So I'm running to bring my experience and integrity serving this nation as a Marine Special Forces veteran to help change that dysfunction in Washington. So I'm going to work tirelessly to be a strong fighter and advocate for my district by putting the people's interest before the special interest.
0: Okay. So I have to ask then, uh, why Minnesota's (laughs) second district, uh, specifically why Minnesota's second district of where you wanted to run in?
1: So, you know, me and my wife born and raised here in Minnesota. So this has always been home to us and, you know, we were, both University of Minnesota Twin Cities grads, so Golden Gophers. And after we uh, graduated, we got married. So, high school sweetheart story there. We have a three and a half year old daughter with a little baby boy on the way. And this has always been home. It's always something we wanted to come back to after my service in the country. And I mean, another big thing is i mean we got four free babysitters with the grandparents but (laughs) no the the second district just happened to be the place where me and my wife moved back to from my time serving in the country um and just so happened that you know as we're looking at everything i decided to run um and it just felt like the right choice beautiful area
0: okay uh uh, yeah
1: definitely a lot younger more uh like-minded people in this district as well. There are a lot more younger individuals moving down to this part of the district to be in the suburbs, uh, mm. getting away from the cities, and, you know, we just want to be around other young people who have children the same age as my daughter. Um, definitely helps with uh, having more friends for her, too.
0: Mm. Okay, so your district, the second district, is considered uh, a stretch district at best for Republicans in this environment by by most analysts why do you think you can flip it back
1: so this district is one of 30 that the president won in 2016 that's currently held by a democrat and then after you look at them all it's the 12th most republican leaning out of any of those districts so to, to say it's a stretch i mean it, it's hard to say that because people in this district are independent swing voters most leaning republican um i I wouldn't really say it's too much democrat um as much as it is it's a true swing district and one thing that people look for they love their veterans here but also as independent swing voters they love to see people who are going to best represent them and their values as well as going to be a fighter and an advocate on their behalf in DC, and that's
0: exactly what I bring—is that mentality of servant leadership to be a resource for the people. Uh, yeah, and and uh, y- you were able to outraise uh, your who would be your likely uh, d- your Democratic opponent, Angie Craig, this past quarter. You were able to outraise her. Uh, do you think that will change some people's perspectives on how competitive this race is?
1: Yes, and and you you can call her uh, my, my opponent because both I and her have no primary opponents so we are both the respective nominees um as well as a third party candidate on the ballot too but yes uh fundraising is something that is crucial in campaigns especially in a swing district because the ability to get your message out there and get your name out there is crucial to win over the support of the the constituents and that fundraising definitely changed people's opinions about this race It, it let them see that This is truly a battleground district, and uh, what we're seeing on the ground is once we get our message out there and exactly who I am, what I've done, and my vision of what I'm going to bring to this district, uh, a lot more people are very open-minded to wanting to get behind that movement, um, which is something that we're definitely going to take advantage of with the strong fundraising that we had.
0: Okay. And kind of keep the topic on fundraising. Uh, you're a first-time congressional candidate. Your your background really isn't in any type of political sphere or anything. So so what what has that been like, you know, dealing with that fundraising aspect, really the first time ever in your life having to go out and ask for money just to keep your campaign surviving?
1: It, it was a learning point up front, but that's where it's crucial to have a strong effective team around you and that's exactly what i was able to do is build a strong team around me to help with it um it definitely it started off tough but as we continued to progress and build the message and the strength of this campaign it was an easy message and really a top 25 race nationally that people could get behind and a candidate that they could feel comfortable supporting um especially one that has such a great chance to win as i do
0: Okay, so uh, the Republican Party and the President uh, in 2016 came closer to winning Minnesota statewide than they had in decades. Correct. But the money that they've put into Minnesota this year hasn't really seemed to reflect that. Do you think the GOP should be targeting Minnesota a lot more right now with more funds and more advertising revenue, rather than pumping any type of money into a state like New Mexico?
1: Yeah. they are investing quite a bit of money into this this race and just with the current situation and covid with the economy um you know it's not helping especially with uh, a lot of the the messaging being pushed across the media but this is actually tighter of a race than people actually see on the national level um us doing a baseline poll as well as getting out there and talking with the voters, and door-knocking, uh, having the conversations, um, it's a lot closer than most of those national-level polls show. So the amount of effort and resources the Republican Party and the Trump campaign are investing um, are continuing to see gains and definitely gains in a positive direction. Uh, like, his campaign headquarters is based in my district.
0: Mm. Okay. So, and you and you mentioned COVID-19. Uh, how, how much has the COVID-19 pandemic changed how you've been able to campaign uh, throughout this time
1: i mean it's it's changed everyone's ability to campaign but it also helps us focus and narrow our efforts on what is actually going to be helping with building up the strength of this campaign but also just really how we engage with the voters is what it's changed most and i mean we're taking full advantage of every opportunity we can i'm going out to farmer markets and meeting with people that way, also going to a couple uh, food truck vendor events outdoors and then meet and greets, but, you know, we are still getting out there and still being just as effective of getting out and engaging with the constituents. Um, it just helps us focus a little more than before. I mean, we're, we're not doing the parades every week, and that's about the only difference.
0: Okay. So, obviously, your, your district, you're being in the suburbs of Minneapolis— uh, the killing of George Floyd over a month and a half ago now has become certainly a focal point issue in your area Has that event and the the and then the concurring events surrounding that changed how you perceive certain issues in and around your district
1: you know it, yes it, it definitely has changed it my heart goes out to George Floyd's family um, the, the loss that they had to experience at you, never want any American to have to go through. But then this follow on movement of cancel culture and defunding the police has actually helped us here in the second congressional district because we're, you know, majority suburbs and then go deeper south into the rural part of the community. The defunding the police movement is one of the top issues for a lot of the voters and something that they don't want to hear about. So us being able to stand up and support the police but support them to ensure that they're getting the right amount of resources necessary and the effective training to make sure they can conduct their job uh safely and effectively but ensuring that you know the communities are safe as well that that is a message that a lot of people uh really resonate towards in this district and it's actually been something to help us and be more of a benefit to the gop
0: Okay, uh, your campaign slogan is, send in the Marine. H- how much has your military service uh, affected your politics, it, how, how you see our government works, if it has at all?
1: You know, everyone's experiences help shape their opinions and mindset. What the military helped with me was an ability to take people from different cultures, backgrounds, and viewpoints and bring them all together to accomplish a common goal and purpose. And, and what that's helped me to do uh, running this campaign is literally bringing an ability of being an independent thinker and being able to work with both sides, really trying to bring civility back to Washington instead of the dysfunction and the de- uh, divisiveness that you get. So I'd say it helped a lot, but it also helped mature me and make me realize you know, what real leadership is and what servant leadership
0: is. OK, you you've mentioned a couple times in this interview uh, the, 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 the dysfunction in Washington, yeah, the the partisan lines, the uh, the issues that each party has had kind of being able to work with the other side to to get the, you know, dinner plate issues done yep. in Washington. Uh, what how, how do you think you can go in there and kind of make an impact and say look this is what we're gonna have to do let's try and change some things so that we think we can come together and work on these you know dinner plate issues for the for the entire country
1: the the biggest way you do it is by starting the conversation but starting it in a civil manner You, you get too many people trying to be bomb throwers and just going completely either further right or further left of the issues and not Up. You have to fight and be an advocate, but at the same time, you have to approach everything with the conversation of civility. And uh, one thing that I've been talking with uh, another congressman who's actually up there right now, Congressman Mike Gallagher, he's a part of the Problem Solvers Caucus. So is a, a Democrat representative from Minnesota. And they meet every Tuesday. They sit down, 25 Republicans, 25 Democrats. And they talk about the dinner plate hard issues, and that's exactly where you start. You, you try to find where you come to agreement. You understand there's already going to be disagreement on things, but you have to find where you can agree on how to continue to progress forward to change America for the better.
0: Okay, uh, you've uh, kind of one of those dinner plate issues I get. You should you should you people mention is uh, increased infrastructure spending from the federal government, and you've put your support on that on your issues page. But that is something that Republicans seem to ignore in other areas, or they seem to kind of ignore altogether as a party. Uh, Do you think it's time for the GOP to start focusing on infrastructure renewal more as a party and more as part of the platform for the future?
1: I wouldn't say they're, they're not completely focusing on it. I think there's some other priorities, especially right now, that they're trying to deal with. But, yes, we, we do need to address the infrastructure because, I mean, we're having crumbling 20th century infrastructure when other countries are moving well into the 21st. We need to ensure that we move to upgrade our infrastructure, especially in my district, but just across the entire nation, because that's going to help the economy overall.
0: All right, Tyler, one final question for you. What would be your, your day one issue if you were elected to Congress to serve your district?
1: The, the top issue right now, and it's not even just for my district, it's for, it's for the entire country. And it's something that everyone's talking about, and that's the economy. Fighting to get this economy back on its feet, getting people back to work, bringing back greater more jobs for this country um and not having such an over-reliant on jobs overseas but bringing it back here so that we can really continue to progress the economy to the record highs that we had back in january and unemployment and record lows
0: okay well uh tyler kistner uh thank you for coming on with me today uh, i very much appreciate it thank you for taking your time to speak with me today uh folks thank you for listening in this has been another elections daily interview again my name is joseph manskeen and again Tyler Kistner, the Republican candidate for Minnesota's 2nd Congressional District, thank you very much for coming on today.
1: Hey, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. God bless. Thank you for everything.
0: Thank you very much.